Startups join Techstars with aspirations, goals, and a vision for what they want to achieve. Fast forward three months, and Demo Day is a chance for these companies to showcase their growth and future plans. But have you ever wondered what happens behind the scenes when faced with the task of condensing all that progress into a two-minute pitch? I'm Jag Singh. I'm a serial founder and entrepreneur turned investor, and I'm also the managing director of Techstars Berlin. Welcome to the lead up, where we'll speak with one company from the current Techstars Berlin cohort in each episode. We'll find out what really goes through these founders' minds at each stage of building a business in an accelerator while preparing for the big reveal to investors and the community. I also have Umara Javid, an associate from our accelerator program, helping me here with the interview. Hi, I'm Amara. Friends call me Tinks, and I'm a former associate of Textiles London and currently a senior associate at Textiles Berlin. Today, we're speaking to the founders of Labbox, a subscription service that delivers electronic kits to inspire kids for engineering. I'm joined by Arta, Fiona, and Glenn. Arta, let's give the audience your elevator pitch. For parents that are too busy but find it important to help their kids develop creative and problem-solving skills, Labbox delivers monthly boxes of engineering kits with many activities for kids to do throughout the month. Our goal is to inspire kids for engineering. Our team has built a new library of electronics, which goes into the boxes, specifically designed to help kids learn about electronics and engineering. We wanted to help kids get in the mindset of learning from mistakes, troubleshooting, so we built Labbox with that in mind. Labbox's team has 10 teammates, and uh, I'm super proud to have Fiona and Glenn, the other two co-founders of Labbox, here with me today. Fiona is our COO and Glenn is our CTO. Hi, I'm Fiona. At Labbox, my responsibility is to design, test and improve customer experiences, which in Labbox's case means I have to think about engineering activities for kids to do, design the content of the boxes, design the content of the platform and test with kids. We continuously test all of our boxes with kids until we make sure that kids are getting inspired and excited for engineering. I try to get kids to feel that happiness and pleasure from that comes from learning new things. And I can only hope that will turn them into lifelong learners. Okay, Glenn, what are your responsibilities at Labbox? I'm responsible for product design and realization. I lead our engineering team as we transform concepts into great products, and I manage the supply chain and production processes. Rolling it back a few months when you got the phone call from JAG saying that you had been accepted into the Techstars Berlin program, what were your feelings and some of your fears maybe, and what were you hoping to achieve out of the program? Getting the final call from JAG... I must say, was a profound sense of relief and excitement because of what I knew about Techstars. I knew that this is a big opportunity to learn much faster the tools that we needed to grow Labbox into a great company and ultimately become better entrepreneurs. Did you have any concerns? Before the program, our concerns were mostly related to how do we commit to a program that is super intense and at the same time run the complex operations that we have within Labbox, which span from sourcing and production to sales and marketing and everything in between. 
Within Techstars, we were learning new ways to do things, and this happened in all corners of the program, whether it was from conversations with mentors, the program team, workshops, conversations with JAG and the entrepreneurs in residence. We did expect Techstars to have a huge impact on our plans and strategies, but what I didn't expect to be particularly hard was changing our plans and strategies while we were still learning. And this, of course, is still an ongoing effort. I think it was a mentor on the Techstars program that, that initially introduced us. Yes, the mentor that suggested that I should apply described Techstars as a learning experience that is better than a business degree in Stanford University because it was super practical and could really help us directly into our business. And now thinking back, I really feel that the whole experience has been tremendously intense and overwhelming, but has had a huge impact of how we think about business, how we think about growth, and has redefined some of the pieces of our strategy from how we do planning, how we do prioritization, how we look at our results, and it has helped us create more impactful work in general. I'd like to switch the focus a little, if I may, to the team. Funnily enough, this is the second consecutive year where I've invested in a team of three founders, two of which are siblings. And actually, an even more fun fact is that last year, we had two teams of twins. In so many ways, the accelerator is seen as a real pressure cooker environment. What's it like going through that with a sibling, and more so one that you've even worked with in a previous company? I have been working with Arta in the last last six years, so it's been a long time. And as sisters, but also as partners, we are quite complementary in the way we approach things. So I think that we have very different points of view and we feel different things when we have the same situation. And I think that this has also allowed the team to be more diverse and they understand that even when we're different from each other, we can all be together towards that one goal that we have. So I'm very used to working with Arta. And I think that also in the accelerator that has been shown, because even though it's very important for us to push our like our weaknesses, it's also important to further develop our strengths. And I think that working with Arta allows me to focus on strengths. And also she doesn't leave me in the comfort zone a lot. I'd like to think of Labbox as a company that benefits greatly from the creative power of our team. And being different from Fiona has created a culture which makes it super acceptable for everybody to be their original self and to provide their unique perspective into the work that we do. Now, Glenn, you're an experienced hardware engineer. What's it like working with two computer engineer sisters? Fiona and Arta are definitely close to each other, but as Fiona said, they're also very complementary of each other. Their closeness to each other in the beginning probably seemed a little bit strange to me, having not worked with siblings before. On the other hand, I think that it's lent a real closeness to our team, and I think that it even extends over to my relationship with Art and Fiona. I think we see each other's not only work, but our lives. And we, I think we just work great as a team. And I think that part of that is because Art and Fiona have learned how to communicate very well over many years. As far as them being computer engineers and me being a hardware guy, I've mostly worked in the embedded world where hardware meets software. And so 
I may not be able to communicate at their level, but at least I can fit into most any conversation. That sounds really exciting the way um, you've all combined your skills and experiences. I'd love to know a bit more about how Labbox itself originated. So before starting Labbox, me and Fiona, we shared a passion to contribute to education. As computer engineers, we wanted to help kids discover this world. And so our first company was a coding academy. What we consistently saw through our programs and through teaching kids about technology was that when they were building something physical and embedding technology into it, that's when their excitement about engineering in general was at that highest point. We wanted to use that excitement and bring more opportunities for them. However, what we've experienced was that the electronics that is available for kids is not designed for them and is not forgiving to mistakes. So they were, through that experience, when they were building these projects, they were making mistakes and breaking electronics, and that kind of had a negative effect into that excitement that we were so passionate about. So we sat down with Glenn, and that was the time when we really met, and we decided to rethink a library of electronics, which will allow kids to build whatever they want, and, and make it easy for them to learn from their mistakes. So a subscription-based model felt super appropriate to allow us to provide that value for the kids. By getting a box each month, they are not only experiencing new engineering activities, but it, is, it also acts as a moment of reigniting that excitement to actually go ahead and build something. While you undertake this B2C approach, can you talk a bit more about the challenges of selling to parents with a product that's actually aimed for kids? When you have a product like Labbox, where the customer is the parent, but the user is the kid, then from an acquisition perspective, you have to decide on your strategy. In Labbox's case, we go after the parents because we feel that the parents are the ones that are feeling the pain of wanting to provide more quality time at home for their kids. And because we are using a subscription model, it is important that we understand our retention rates. And in Labbox's case, we have to deliver two values parents will be looking for progress and development in their kids' skills, while kids will only continue to use or to create with Labbox if the experience is fun and engaging for them. We all know mental madness can be quite intense, but it can also be super gratifying. We'd love to know more about the positive experiences that you had. Mental madness was this super powerful learning opportunity. We entered with clear ideas of how we want to grow Labbox, and we used the time talking to this big group of different expertise and different perspectives to battle test our strategies. And the way that we decided to look at the feedback that we were getting, if it was positive, we considered it a reinforcement of our strategies. If it was negative, we looked at it as a preventive method. So if this is something to think about, then it's better to think about now and not go uh, ahead and make the mistakes and learn from the mistakes where we can save ourselves. The two weeks were intense in a positive way. Only after the whole mantra madness was done did the pieces 
start to fall into place. And we use that to then drive the changes in our product and to think about how we're going to grow. You just talked about how the pieces fell into place after Mentor Madness. What was that really like? And did that change what you intended to pitch at Demo Day? So the whole feedback didn't just fall into place naturally. We had to deconstruct all of that feedback into business units and make it work in all of our operations. So after that, fine-tuning the pitch is telling a story. So we needed also to make sure that what we're working on is something that's showing growth and showing progress. Now, as a new parent, I'm already fundamentally looking at or, or thinking about toys from a very different perspective. What are the trends driving this? As parents, we look at the toys and the products that we buy as potential investments that we can do to help our kids experience and learn new things. That is why there is a clear trend of parents preferring products with educational values than ever before. With Labbox, we want to help kids understand how powerful creativity is and help them be able to express that creativity through engineering. This is something that we believe will benefit them greatly into their future by because they will be gaining engineering skills that will put them in a position where they already have the mindset to win the future. This aligns very well with what we try to achieve with Labbox. We want kids to be not only consumers of technology, we want them to be creators and hopefully the innovators of tomorrow. In many ways, running an accelerator also feels like running a decelerator. We Mm -hmm. see a lot of companies come through our programs and there's always a concern that they may be trying to do too much when they're not quite ready, when the infrastructure doesn't support it. What advice do you have for the listeners out there who may be in that specific situation? This is a constant discussion because we, Arta is always eager to get more sales and to push forward. And sometimes we have to stop and make sure that when kids get the experience, they will get the very best experience we can provide. This means that sometimes we need to look at all the pieces one by one, make sure that we're comfortable with what we're offering. Preventing premature scaling may be the essential piece for actually to achieve uh, proper scaling. I would say to the group of people trying to do too much that the first and most important step is to be aware of the resources and the scale you have available. The second would be to try to prioritize the work of all the resources available to generate as much value and solve problems for your target audience. I agree 100%. So how do you design the kits for children? The process of how we design a product is that we start to conceptualize ideas of projects that kids can do. And when we think of projects that kids can do with Labbox, there's a million of things. So we think about what projects are fun for kids and what makes kids feel cool building after which we decide on one favorite project and we do an initial design, which we take to testing with kids. And this is by far my favorite part because I get to see kids and I get to get all of that excitement and energy from them. During testing, we make sure to observe how kids are reacting to the product. Are they having fun? Did they ask for other projects to build? We try to also understand if kids had enough opportunities to learn and 
to practice the new concepts that we wanted to introduce. Because we know that parents will be looking to see development of skills and development of knowledge in their kids. And we want to be super confident in the value that we provide to our customers. Testing also means we will be scoring criteria like fun, excitement, are they independently going through the experience? So we watch for signals like, did the kid need help? Or where did they struggle? And often we have different team members present to observe different pieces of the product. Like we have the software engineer looking at the gamified platform and the mechanics. And we have mechanical designers looking at the constructs and so on. It is also very important to show kids that they build projects they will use in their daily lives. So they start seeing the function and the magic of engineering in their lives. And something that has been super interesting is, for example, in certain projects, we almost take it for granted that they will be able to uh, complete them. But testing sometimes brings out that even the smallest piece can fail the test. Or sometimes, for example, we fear a certain project and only to find out that it, kids can assemble it themselves without a problem. So that's why we have a little bit of a rigorous approach to maintaining this process because you never know. So Glenn, one of the challenges that a lot of hybrid software and hardware companies have to deal with as they scale is that sometimes the challenges also actually scale up. What's that like with Labbox? There's a saying in the industry that hardware is hard. And there's a lot of truth to that because you're correct about all of the logistics that come with growing a hardware company. We have supply chain issues and manufacturing and distribution, but all of those things also for us present an opportunity because each of those, while they're difficult to do, they're also barriers to others. If we do those things and do them better than others, then we will succeed. Obviously, I want to see us grow as quickly as possible because one of the gears of Labbox that I push on is cost of goods sold. And to do that, in electronics especially, economies of scale are the primary driver of cost. And so obviously I want to see our sales increase very rapidly. But at the same time, it's always held or limited by how quickly we can do things because there are logistics with each part of it. The experience that we have enables us to do this process more efficiently than others can. So ultimately, it provides a competitive advantage. I just want to add this. Hardware companies historically have difficulty turning their prototypes into products that they can sell. From the start, we understood the limits in the resources that we have. We've been able to consider the manufacturability piece from the design process. And being a company in Kosovo where the ecosystem has zero support for a hardware company, we've not only been able to ship products, we've also been able to maintain a modular architecture, which allows us to react to customer feedback by changing our products quickly. And this is something that I'm super proud of. We've set up our own production line, which acts as a development line but most of all, leaves that agility piece for us. I'm curious, when, sometimes when you talk about customer feedback, I'm picturing crayon scribbled writing on a piece of paper. How does that feedback generally come to you? We've, we make sure that each product that we ship, we have MPS scores that we try to collect 
from the customers. Then we monitor what the users are doing in our gamified platform. And for users that raise some types of red flags for us, we try to call them um, and have an interview. The user base that we work with now is on the early adopter side. So they're more than open to help us improve uh, the products. We take this feedback into consideration and compile it when we have conceptualization meetings and planning meetings to include that customer feedback. For those of you listening in, I think that's a really important piece of advice there about how to target early adopters and how to use them to your advantage as well, whilst ensuring that you deliver a significant amount of value. So I have a question mainly for Fiona and Arta, and it's about being trailblazers in three industries which are male-dominated, that's STEM, hardware, and tech. So if there's women listening right now that want to get involved in any of these landscapes, what kind of advice would you have for them? To many females out there that are listening, I would say that it's just a glass ceiling that is in your mind. And I would redirect the question, is the mission important enough for you to give it a try? Thank you, Arta. And I know you're speaking from your heart there because you're also a mother to three amazing young girls. And you're doing quite a lot to ensure that they have access to an incredibly bright future. And to extend that a little bit, you started building this company out in the Balkans in Kosovo. What's interesting for me as an investor is that the 2021 Berlin Accelerator Program has as many teams from the Balkans as it does from Berlin. And I wonder if we could talk about the region a little bit. I I feel there's a parallel to a phenomenon that's most closely related to Israeli or Estonian startups. They have to think about expansion pretty early on because the domestic market just isn't big enough. Do you feel now's the time for companies from the Balkans to enter the world stage? The countries that are in the Balkans are, from an economic perspective, they're not so developed. Because of that, there has been a preference by the youth to build up their tech skills. And what we're seeing in the last decade, in the last decade is an explosion of tech talent available in the Balkans. Kosovo in particularly has had an even bigger push on that. We are a country where the average age is 26. So there is a great amount of young people with big dreams trying to make it. And they are leaning on technology and developing their technological skills to make it because the economy is not providing other options for them. And I really believe that, like Lavox, we will be hearing more and more stories of new companies from Kosovo and from the Balkans expanding into near markets. We'd love if you could debunk for us any myths about being startup entrepreneurs. (laughs) One of the myths of building a startup is that you can employ as little structure as possible from the beginning, which is something that you definitely want to try. However, in our case with Labbox, where we try to scale prematurely, we've seen that even at a smaller scale, even in in an early stage uh, company, an actual need for the company to create these structures in in order to support growth. Very wise words right there. So Glenn, Fiona, and Arta, thanks for coming to share. And to our audience especially, thanks for listening. Don't forget, we have nine other amazing companies from Techstars Berlin sharing their experiences in this lead-up series, a part of the Techstars Podcast Network. 